Hello and welcome to Captivated Audience. My name is Marie Lundberg and I'm joined as always by my friend and professional colleague, Samantha Sheen. Hi Sam, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Marie. How are you? It's been a long week, but we are going to finally wrap it up with a really interesting person on this podcast today, aren't we? Absolutely. So no pressure, Adam, whatsoever. Can you tell folks a little bit about who you are, where you work, and what part of the world you're based? Sure. Thank you for having me. So those that don't know me, my name is Adam McLaughlin, and I work for Nice Atomize. Uh, it's a global company, but I am based in London office, or I would normally be based in the London office, should I say. I'm currently based at home. I am the Emir Head of Financial Crime Solutions for the company managing the AML part of the business um, in the Emir region. Well, Adam, we're going to get into what Nice Actimize does in just a moment, but you have a really interesting professional background when it comes to financial crime prevention. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So I didn't always work in the private sector. So go, go back a few years. Uh, I started my career as a police officer. So I started in, in Hampshire and I very quickly went into CID. So I became a detective. And then halfway through my service, I moved to the City of London Police, where I was a detective sergeant managing financial crime teams uh, within the city. We looked at all sorts of things, organised crime groups, fraud, money laundering, you name it, we, we covered it from both national and international perspective. And then I thought, I'd done that for a few years and I thought I wanted to change. So I moved to the private sector and that's where I made the jump. So my first role was in JP Morgan. I was in JP Morgan for about three and a half years. And I ultimately ended up managing the financial crime team uh, within JP Morgan in EMEA. And I also concentrated on the CIB business. So looking at uh, money laundering through capital markets. I was part of the Gimlet group whilst there. So I was on the Gimlet group for a number of years, both the operations side and also on the experts group. Adam, so you started off your career in the public sector, then you moved to the private sector. We have heard a lot about the PPP, Private Public Partnership. We just launched an initiative here in Sweden called Samlit. Can you give us a little bit on the move from the public sector to the private sector? What was it like? One word, it was strange. <laughs> so the public sector is very different, I would say, to the private sector. You get so used to that world and it almost becomes like a bubble. So you get used to everything, uh, especially in law enforcement. You get used to the procedures, the policies, how you capture criminals, the actions you have to take from an investigation perspective. Um, and you learn lots of acronyms, lots and lots of acronyms. Like, I think the best one is uh, the three R's. Three R's is record, retain, reveal. So in any investigation, you have to record information, you have to retain it, and you have to reveal it at the appropriate time. And actually, if you look at a private sector investigation, that's no different. You have to you know, record what you're doing, retain that information and reveal it, whether it's in a SAR or whether that's you know, later on down the line in a production order or something. From my perspective, um, and it sounds like a cliche, but the private sector was very corporate. So it probably took, took me about six months to get, get into it. I can imagine. And you know, what's really interesting, Adam, is over the last two days, I was chairing an event and I learned that Jimlet is no longer the one and only PPP. As Marie said, we've got the Samlet up north. Now we've got one in Austria that's formed. And we had uh, Laura von Plotz, who presented yesterday on the German version of the Jimlet. What would you suggest is the best way that institutions can get value out of participating on that? Because you yourself, as you said, were involved with Jimlet over several years. 
I think it's being open. Um, I, I know there's restrictions in, things, in terms of data protection and people not wanting to give away IP, but I think if we're going to fight financial crime, this is what it's all about, is fighting financial crime, you know, going above and beyond regulation, going above and beyond the minimum standards, if you like, and it's doing something the next stage to fight financial crime. In order to do that, you have to be open and you have to be willing to share information. And this is the whole point of it. Public-private sector is about sharing information. And it shouldn't just be one way. Where the gym it works is it isn't just information from law enforcement coming out to the public sector or the private sector, sorry. Although that's great and it's really, really useful to get those insights into typologies, potential criminal organisations who are operating and you can do something about it and take risk mitigation steps to cover yourself from those criminals. You have to also have to have the banks saying, we are seeing this or that, or we're seeing this typology, or we're seeing these alerts coming out now. Because sometimes, well, actually, I would say all the time, the banks are the front line. Law enforcement usually pay catch up. You know, it's usually through a SAR or usually through some sort of intelligence that's come to them after the event where they start investigating. Uh, the banks are ultimately on the front line. They're the ones seeing the money movements. They're the ones, ones onboarding people. So actually, I think the information share has to go both ways and there has to be that openness. Then you took the step into the technology side, sharing information and sharing data. You need good technology to do that. When you started working for Nice Actimize, was that a big change as well? It was, yes. I'm on the front line, but in a different way. We are providing the technology that helps people to file SARS, to detect and to investigate. And so I had to put a bit of a different hat on because firstly, I'm managing the region. And secondly, I've got to work out, well, what technology is out there? What is technology capable of doing? And how can that technology then be transposed using both my police hat and my banking hat, if you like? How can that be transposed into the front line to help detect, investigate and, and report? So, Adam, tell us a bit more about the particular technology at Nice Actimize you work with. Nice Actimize have effectively three different product sets. Do monitoring within the capital markets. They've got fraud detection software. And the area that I work is within the AML space. We've got technology that does transaction monitoring. Uh, we have technology that will do KYC and CVD processes. And that always on technology, looking at customers, looking at keeping that risk rating up to date, making sure that we understand that customer holistically. And we also do sanction screening. And we're, we're, at the moment, we're moving in the direction where we are overlaying that with new technology such as artificial intelligence and machine learning technology. Can you give us something tangible, something to wrap our arms around and an interesting example of, on how your technology has helped a financial institution? Do you have yeah. any good stories? We love those. I'm sure everyone loves good stories. Um, even in the police, people were like, give me a story. And I was like, oh, okay, a good story. I've got one for you from, from here. So there's one organization uh, and this, this firm uh, offered various products, but they also offered insurance products and investment products. They used our solutions some alerts came out and this was around policies so this was around insurance policies the alerts were around overpayments of policies and also early redemptions of policies it was looked into and it all these policies were taken out and redeemed were all related to the same cells uh, within the organization the the firm or the customer of, of this organization was a recruitment agency and they recruited what I would call high-risk industries, um, so individuals for high-risk industries. But they weren't taking out life insurance policies that you would expect. They were taking out investment policies rather than life insurance policies. High-risk employees of an employment agency, you'd probably expect to be life insurance rather than investment products. So already for me, that, that rings alarm bells. You know, already when, they, when I was told this, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. 
and looking into it, that you know, it's over about a year period. Uh, but every single policy taken out by one customer were always overpayments, and they always paid a year up front. But they never let the policies last for a year. They always um, redeemed probably within sort of three to four months um, of having been taken out for the full value. Obviously, the detection and the technology within our solution allowed them to see these movements of money and, and the commission being paid to this sales rep and highlight that this wasn't right. I don't know the bottom line of it, but ultimately something wasn't right. <laughs> Moving on from that, there was an interesting report about the NCA here in the UK. And, you know, we've had this, this debate about resourcing for ages, as you know, in relation to investigation and SARS. And that's, it's been a long going discussion here. But they were saying they've had over 1,200 reported frauds related to COVID, but right now they only have the capacity to follow up on 350 of them. Can you see some ways in which, whether it's nice technology or just more generally, how can we try and harness technology to get better at not losing those other 700, 800 cases that should be investigated? I, I think the first question is, are they all legitimate cases? It's all a good saying we haven't got the resources to deal with them and absolutely they don't have the resources, but ultimately how many of those actually result in prosecutions? How many of them result in the crime actually being a legitimate crime? We need to separate the, the good stuff from the bad stuff. I think that's the first thing we need to do. And unfortunately, although the banks might not agree with it, I think a lot of that will sit with the bank. So they're the ones ultimately reporting to law enforcement. And you look at our star, SAR stats, you know, we are the, the largest file of SARS in Europe. They're not all great SARS, some of them probably defensive SARS, uh, and actually, you look at percentages, very few of those will get investigated. And even fewer of those will get actually prosecutions on the back of it. So we have to do something about reducing the numbers. Data is king with this. But not just data, I think, but consolidated data. So having data in, in one place in order to assess that is golden. I think, I think having solid data, which is what happens in banks all the time, was great. But if you can't do anything with that data and you're not sharing that data, even within the organisation, well, it's absolutely pointless you can't do anything with it so you have to have a way to have good data have good data but bring it into one place if you can then analyze that data in one place you can then work out what's normal and what's not normal for a customer and if you work that out you can then work out what should be filed and what, what shouldn't be filed so, i.e what is suspicious and therefore you should start reducing false positives you should start reducing false alerts and ultimately things like SAR numbers and, and fraud report numbers from the banking sector should start coming down what the law enforcement should start receiving is quality data quality information that leads to a tangible investigation and ultimately a tangible outcome. That's my perspective. Adam, you said my favorite word, data. And implementing new systems, we know that that can be quite troublesome sometimes in an organization. When you are in discussions with your customers, is there any good tips you would like to, to share on the good discussions to have with your clients? So I think the first one is understand your outcomes. So it's understanding what you want to achieve, because there's no point in going out to a vendor and saying, I'd like your technology, please, without understanding what you want to achieve, because you're probably just wasting your money. You probably won't get the results you desire because you don't really know what you want to get out of the system. Ultimately, I think your investigation team could just lose their efficiency because, again, you're sort of doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. And one thing I'm hearing a lot is organizations coming to us saying we need AI and we need machine learning. Brilliant. That's great. For what? And they're like, well, we need it. You know, this is the industry thing, right? But you have to know what you want to use it for. Is it to reduce false positives? Is it to enhance your investigation? Is it to enhance the quality or the, or the outcomes that you're trying to achieve? And actually, some of these organizations, believe it or not, don't know. They've heard, they've heard the buzzwords. And so they come to us just reciting the buzzwords without really knowing 
what the solutions do. My biggest tip is understand your outcomes, understand what you want to achieve, understand your use cases, and allow the solution to work around that. Adam, tell me, I know there has been a lot of work going on at Nice Actimize over the last 12 to 18 months. Can you give us a little bit of a peek on some of the soon to be seen exciting developments? You're absolutely right. So we've been doing quite a lot solution-wise and, and trying to move forward with, with technology. It's all about, I think the point made earlier about integration, bringing stuff together, you know, not just internal data, but external data. So if you can have what I like to call a financial crime hub, so you've got one place, one vision, one view, whether you're in capital markets, whether you're in fraud, whether you're in AML, whether you're in sanctions, if you've got a single view of the customer and you've got a 360 view of what's going on across the entire organization for that customer, you can better assess risk. You can better assess normal versus abnormal and better assess when you need to make filings and just bring it under that one umbrella of the, what I call the financial crime hub. Thank you so much, Adam, for taking the time to speak with Sam and I today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been really good fun speaking with you guys. And if you would like to do like Adam and take part in one of our future podcasts, or if you have suggestions or ideas for future topics, feel free to reach out to our webpage, captivatedaudience.eu, or you can drop us a line directly on LinkedIn. You'll have to do it fairly soon, though, because after the 30th of June, we will be taking a well-deserved break. But look out for us again at the start of September. And until then... Have a great day and stay safe.